Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. How confident are you when it comes to life's biggest money decisions? What is real financial peace and how can you get it? Chris Flaming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. They bring together the brightest minds to show you how to have a more confident financial future. They empower listeners with common sense concepts and financial wisdom. And now here are your hosts, LPF Advisors. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host here as always, Chris Flaming. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Carolina Nunez to the show. Her Florida-based law firm provides personalized services with large firm results. With specialties in personal injury and estate planning, they tirelessly advocate for their clients' best interests in challenging times to get the results they deserve. Carolina, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. So let's jump in. I'm sure you have an interesting history of how you came to be where you are today. Could you just maybe take me briefly through what led you to where you are now? So, yeah, um, my whole life I grew up with, well, my dad and my parents, obviously, they raised me. My dad was always in business, so he always showed me the hustle. He is, we're Colombian, but uh, he came here. Um, when he was in his early thirties, met my mother here and they got married, had us and watching my dad, you know, being an immigrant in this country, new to this country, um, built his business. And, um, I started in real estate under him. And eventually I said, I better go to law school because we're, uh, outsourcing a ton of work that we could be doing here. Mm. Okay. So that's what led me to go to law school. It was just the exposure to real estate and the market crash early on. Okay. Right. In uh, 2007, 2008. Is that yeah, what you're talking that, about? Okay. Yeah. That's around the time frame. So, um, you know, when you get to see that firsthand, um, you see the impact it has on people and mm-hmm. how many of them have fallen victim to, you know, a lot of scams out there through professionals that had no business in doing certain things that they were doing back then. So Mm. that's what led me to uh, eventually become a lawyer. (laughs) Okay. All right. So if you could maybe go back in time, Carolina, give the younger you some advice, something you know now that you wish you knew when you started out, if you could talk to that person, what, what might you say? One of the things that within our legal profession there, it's all about, you know, who you know and and what you do. I didn't know people. So whoever is young and thinking about going to law school, it doesn't matter what school you get into, honestly, as long as you have the drive and the ambition Mm. to do something with your law degree, you'll, you'll get far. Most of the attorneys that I know that have been considered to be, you know, the best among clients have been ones that have hustled through night school or, gone non-traditional route. So I told mm. people, don't be afraid to go those routes because they're not bad. <laughs> they're good. Yeah. Right. Well, and a lot of times those people have burned the bridges and they don't have any other options or plan B. So they have to make it work. Right. Yep. Which yep. can be a big motivator. So yeah. how did you, how did you then come to choose the focuses of your law practice? The, the, the focuses that you have now, um, how did you come to choose those? I didn't choose them. They chose me. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's yeah. the nice way of putting it. Um, when I was a law student, I thought I'm never going to do estate planning or personal injury. And it turns out that those were the areas that I did fairly well in with, with people. So I grew to love both. Um, they're very different, but also mm-hmm. very rewarding in the sense that you are either helping someone accomplish their final decisions Mm -hmm. or you're helping someone recover money that otherwise wouldn't have been given to them. Mm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, two very rewarding paths, but different ways to get there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And we're going to jump into just a little bit of those core competencies here in a second. I'm wondering though, first, what do you think is a big misconception that people have about what you do? Or, or what you can do or, or get done for them? Well, I think for a lot of people have this misconception that attorneys essentially are just not really relatable in mm. some way. There's always that misconception because, you know, in the media, what we watch are fun, like criminal trials, movies that exaggerate everything. And they see that reputation that attorneys have had as being you know, somewhat stuck up or robots, robots. Yep. And (laughs) so I think people need to realize that we all hustle as much as any other profession, but Mm -hmm. also that a lot of us can be really down to earth too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's probably an advantage, I suppose, in dealing with someone where you have a connection with them and it's not just a transaction, but people are probably more appreciative and buy into the, to the process. Yeah, definitely. Um, Some law firms are very transactional, you know, that exists. But there are also um, lawyers, usually boutique firms that, you know, want to build a good reputation by word of mouth. That's Mm. normally what you need to do is have an actual connection with the person. Okay. And maybe I was going to ask you this later, but you brought it up. So what what when someone says they're a boutique firm, what what does that mean? Sure. I mean, it normally means it's a small firm where you're going to have more of a boutique experience. So more of a hands-on approach where you're able Mm -hmm. to access the attorney. You're able to get that kind of like small town restaurant feel in a Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the personalized attention that you might not get from a big billboard law firm that you see on TV all the time. Okay. And is that the biggest benefit is the the attention that someone gets? 100%. 100. I can't tell you how many times people have called me with legal situations or like my lawyers and calling me back. And I'm like, I can't talk to you. But unfortunately, that is really something that I think um, people could benefit from and knowing about boutique firms is that you're going to get better attention. Okay. Yeah. I like how you said that. Let's jump into some of your core competencies and touch on those on a high level. So what, what do you feel like is an easy way to explain why an estate plan is important? A lot of times people feel like you have to have money or a certain amount of money to even, to even do one. So what, why is it important maybe? And what does it accomplish? So that's a great thing to point out is that a lot of people do think it's a lot of money, but I think everyone needs to have an estate plan, whether they're 20 years old 
you know, to their older age. The reason why it's so important is because when you don't leave a plan, oftentimes your medical decisions are left up to your family members where they have to second guess what you would want, what was what would have been best for you, what you what you wish you had. I always tell people when you, for instance, your property, what happens to your property once you pass? Does it go to your kids? Your kids have to do probate. Or I tell younger people, what happens if you pass and you have cryptocurrencies? How are they? That has a huge monetary value. What What's going to happen to that? So I tell everyone, estate planning is absolutely necessary for everyone. It's not out of reach. You don't need a ton of money mm-hmm. to even do it. It's worth the investment for peace of mind and also to know that your family is protected. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe a follow-up question is, is what do you kind of consider to be the core documents uh, that people would need by generally everyone? I know it varies based on situations and, you know, how their assets are structured yeah. and their wealth, but what do you kind of consider to be the core documents regardless of their wealth status that you feel like are needed for someone to be covered? Yeah, that's a great question. There are actually, I would say, five documents that I could think of. Mm-hmm. The first two would be your advanced medical directive and your healthcare surrogate. I remember years ago, there was a case of Terry Shivo, mm-hmm. a, a woman that could not eat. She was in a, a vegetable state, essentially, and she there was a dispute between the husband and her parents as to what to do. Mm-hmm. So a healthcare advanced directive, that document you give to your doctor and you pretty much lay out whether you want artificial, you know, means of life mm-hmm. uh, or do you not want? And at what point is that triggered? Mm-hmm. And then you have the healthcare surrogate, which is the person that would make all your medical decisions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, The other document I would say would be a durable power of attorney. That is absolutely necessary. If you don't have a durable power of attorney, then what happens is if you become incapacitated uh, for whatever reason, that document can allow another person to essentially act on your behalf as you to handle the financial aspect of your life. And then also the last document I would say would be the last will and testament, which you would want to exclude anyone that potentially may have a claim to your estate. I always tell people you need to exclude ex-wives because you never know what they they can come up with or ex-husbands. Um, anyone that you do not want for sure, you should always name them to be excluded. And the last document I would say is be the fifth one. And I only say it applies in Florida. There's something called the Lady Bird Deed, which mm. automatically transfers your home without having to trigger probate. Okay. Because that, what I tell people is that a will is essentially a guide for the court to follow, right? Mm-hmm. But the will doesn't automatically always transfer everything. Sometimes there needs to be a transfer that takes place. So when I tell people for your home, make sure you protect your kids, protect your spouse, or protect, you know, even a charity, whatever it is, you can name anyone um, to be protected. But I always tell people you have to have a plan, always. Awesome. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I like how you did that. Uh, You know, here's the five documents and did that succinctly. I'm going to make sure and check my will to make sure that my wife, my wife hasn't excluded me. 
Oh, no. I'm kidding. I don't think she has, but I'll, I'm going to double check that just in case. Just for the record, as a financial advisor, I have my core documents in place. I like to practice what I preach. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. Carolina, I'm good on that. <laughs> okay, let's switch gears. Um, I want to talk a little bit about personal injury stuff. So what's the process that someone goes through or that you take someone through in a personal injury case? Yeah, so personal injury cases are very different from estate planning. It involves someone that's already injured. Mm -hmm. uh, so normally what we do is we obviously want to make sure that the person is okay. So the first thing is that in the first 14 days of your case here in Florida, at least, mm -hmm. you should see a medical doctor within the first 14 days. That maximizes your ability to recover from what we know is the PIP coverage, right? For those benefits to be there. But what we do as lawyers, it's different than from many of, you know, just doing it on your own, essentially, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that we're able to intervene on your behalf to call the insurance company, make sure they're paying properly everything. We also um, make sure that we follow your medical plan as well to determine. And then we send the demand to the insurance company. What people trying to do sometimes is that they'll call themselves and the insurance company is never going to tell you what the defendant or the guy that hit you or the lady that hit you really has in their policy. They're just going to want to give you a check to be quiet and just yeah. leave it at that. So we normally request the full policy limits from the other side. Mm -hmm. um, and we try to investigate what policies are available in general. Cause unfortunately when you have an attorney that is just bombarded with cases, you know, where it's a volume firm, they don't have the time to actually look at everyone's policy thoroughly mm. or even negotiate with the insurance company. Um, so this is where we step in and we're like, hey, you either pay this or we'll file a lawsuit. And most of the time we end up filing a lawsuit and getting the full policy limits. Okay. So what kind of expectations do you set for clients in terms of, you know, here's how long it's going to take and you know, here's oh, yeah. what, here's our expectation for the award that we might get, you know, based on your situation. I know that's all case by case, but are, do you have general, like, I'm sure that managing expectations is a big part of what you do. It's a huge part. The worst thing is, you know, with, when you drive down I-4 in Florida, all you see is billboards left and right. So-and-so got me a million dollars. So-and-so okay. got me 300. Those are just a couple of cases that they get. Mm -hmm. Um, People need to keep that in mind that it depends on the policy limits, the extent of your injuries. So, you know, if you have a soft tissue injury where your muscles are just hurting, you should not expect to get paid a million dollars for that. Mm -hmm. You also have to keep in mind, I always tell people, we got to look at everyone insurance policy. Then at that point, we tell them this is what's available to you, but it depends on the results of, you know, your scans and what your doctor recommends. So we're very transparent. I think it's very important to set those expectations um, early on, because when you see those billboard ads, it, 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 it personally for me, it really bothers me because it makes people believe that, okay, this per I can get a million dollars. This right. lawyer's doing anything. Yeah. Um, so I tell people early on what they should expect. Mm -hmm. um, and I also guide them through their own policy in the future because a lot of time they don't have enough. And I'm like, if you had a hundred thousand dollars in under, you know, you under insured coverage, 
you would be walking away with a hundred thousand, but you only had the minimum, which was 10,000. 10, mm-hmm. So that's when people go to their insurance agent and I tell them, tell them to up that because it's, yeah. this is what could have saved you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the, the, like a lot of things that are advertised there, it's always the most extreme case where it was, you know, the best possible outcome you could get when all the stars aligned yep. um, on those billboards. And since we're both in Florida, we both know this. If you're moving to the state, you don't want to be driving on I-4. No. <laughs> we have too many people here and it's only getting worse. So. I tell you, I quite literally, most of my accidents, we ask them, where did they happen? Mm-hmm. And it's always in the same areas. Most of the time it's I-4 or on the ramp to mm-hmm. 408 from I-4 yeah, or right. 275 out toward Tampa. It's always a mess here. So if I- anybody can take anything from this podcast, our main point today is... Don't take I-4. Okay. Don't take I-4, but if you do, have UM coverage. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So what, and along those lines, I guess, what do you consider uh, when representing someone, what do you consider to be a good outcome in a personal injury type of situation? Well, I'll tell you what, what I had one of my favorite cases not long ago. I had a woman here that was hit. It was a hit and run. And mm-hmm. The, so we didn't have a defendant. We couldn't pull a camera footage. There was no one that we could see the license plate. And a lawyer told her, held her case for two years. And he told her that her case was worth $3,000. And so she kind of left it at that. And eventually we got, we filed a lawsuit. This was before the new law that passed that reduced the statute of limitations. But we filed a lawsuit and we gave her a check of $87,000 mm. for the same accident. So the results for me are great when I see someone that is injured and you can actually offer them some financial recovery Mm -hmm. or when I see someone that's injured and they're doing better because of treatment. But sometimes we get a lot of cases from other law firms. And then what we end up doing is we find that the lawyers did not file a demand or they couldn't go, you know, couldn't file the demand because they didn't have the money for trial because trial is very expensive. So it's, it's great when we're able to litigate a case and get a client, the result that they, 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 they truly deserve versus just watching them be limited by an attorney that cannot litigate a case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause they're just trying to settle. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's what they have to do. They can't go trial at all. (laughs) So So then this is, I'm sure a very emotional trying time for a person going through this uh, when you're representing a client. So what do you do, Carolina, to help manage their emotions during the process? Because sometimes that can take a long time, right? Yeah, it could take a long time. And um, actually, the the longest, I think, in terms of time before there's a lawsuit is usually when we work on the reductions, Mm. the medical reductions, because there's bills and we try to reduce them for them. So when a client is emotional because whether they're experiencing anger because of their injuries or sadness, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is not just being a lawyer, but it just is about being a human, right? And it's just kind of trying to understand that person. Mm. Thankfully, most of the clients I've had have been understanding. But, you know, when the economy is not going so well, and you would know this right now, people want their money. And so I try to tell them, hey, we got to rush these these um, 
reductions, but we're trying to reduce them. So you get more money in their pocket. Usually they're very understanding. I haven't had really any, any person throw fit here, thankfully. (laughs) Good. No, that's good. That speaks to your uh, ability to manage that. Yeah. Yeah, we try. We try. Awesome. Okay. So let's switch gears just a little bit. I'm curious, like looking at the future, what do you see as your biggest opportunity for your practice going forward? One of the things that is, I really think that my practice in particular is, as you can see, I have my crazy lights everywhere. Um, I'm very big on technology. Mm. Um, So I really try to advance a lot of my cases with the use of technology and making sure people don't have to, you know, if I need documents, we are able to send them ways they can send them. They don't have to come in. Mm. Clients don't even have to meet me, but I let them have that option because it's nice to meet the client. But Mm -hmm. our firm is really catering toward virtual capabilities right now where people don't need to drive out to do things or come see us, drop off documents. Everything's Mm -hmm. there. We're really exploring estate planning with and, you know, powers of attorneys with clauses relating to um, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, just the digital atmosphere, digital real estate, too, is another thing that's growing. So we're seeing that right now. And um, I, I really enjoy showing people what we can do online. And so it's really nice to be able to offer that. Yeah. Yeah. It brings people together that otherwise wouldn't have been able to work together. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. We've noticed that even since the pandemic, too, people are a lot more open to virtual interactions. Um, Yeah, and and it's actually even become almost an expectation to mm -hmm. offer that. Mm -hmm. Um, People call me, I ask them, what do you want? Or Daytona office, want a park, or do you want virtual? What do you prefer? We give them all those options at all times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so maybe on the flip side of that, Carolina, what what do you then see as maybe the the big challenge or obstacle facing the business that you want to overcome? My business in general or the legal profession? Uh, Let's let's say your business. I think right now really overcoming is the fact that we are a boutique firm and we're trying to we do have competition and our competition are the big guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So. I don't see that really even, um, I see it more of a challenge as to, yes, we want to grow, but we want to also maintain Mm -hmm. our boutique status. Mm -hmm. So I think the challenge right now is balancing growth and making sure we maintain that personalized service. Okay. Okay. Well said. So if people wanted to learn more about you or your firm, or they want to contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they could visit my website at cnunaslaw.com and they can call us, they can email us, um, they can follow us on Instagram. It's always cnunaslaw. Follow us on Facebook. And we normally, on our webpage or our blog, we try to just post about what the current events are. You know, we try to cover what to expect uh, when the Ukraine war started mm-hmm. with respect in terms of what impacts it could have on economy or foreclosure. So we try to update people with just what we can in terms of every part of the legal field. Um, so whether it's a foreclosure, we make sure people know some tips and tricks here and there 
um, or estate planning, mm-hmm. what what to look for. So they don't have to hire us. They don't have to retain us. But if they just follow us, they'll get their bits and pieces of uh, legal thoughts for the day. Okay. So everybody should go to the website, all the uh, links and uh, information's on there in order to contact the firm, correct? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, Carolina, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. It has been a true pleasure. And I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are raising the financial confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening. We will see you next time. Carolina, thanks. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Good times. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Take care. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.